Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, it's Chickie Fitzgerald, and this is our Project 85, the Voice of Innovation show. I am hosting you from Tampa, Florida, and I'm very, very excited uh, about our show today. Uh, let me get our guest online. I've been having a little bit of trouble here uh, with our switchboard, so give me one second. Chicky. Good afternoon, Robert. I am so sorry. Uh, I uh, was having a little browser trouble today, so uh, thank God for technology, but uh, it doesn't always work the way it's supposed to. Well, and that undermines our entire conversation. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Well, Robert, uh, let me give our listeners just a little bit of perspective and background, and then we'll jump right into our discussion. Uh, this is actually the inaugural show for our fall season, and uh, it has been a little while since I've done our Solutions Live show, but wanted to bring it back uh, kind of with a, a blast. And, and the topic of today is about something that I call Project 85. And it really is the focus on the mobile generation. And mobile means more than just devices here. It means people that are uh, essentially on the go. And uh, for our listeners' benefit, uh, my background is 30 years in the travel industry, largely in the area of the provision of technology and uh, the business models surrounding marrying buyers and sellers. And uh, in, in our vernacular, we call that the distribution part of the travel industry. And I've also spent some significant time in the mobile and geolocal uh, industries. And our guest today is Robert Cole. And Robert is with a company called Rock Cheetah. And I remember when I first asked Robert several years ago what that meant, he told me I would have to wait. And every time I see him, I forget to ask what the background of that is. So Robert, welcome. And why don't you give us a little bit of your background and tell us about Rock Cheetah. Certainly. Rock Cheetah is my uh, consulting company. It's a sole proprietorship, so it's just me. And what I do is I get to do lots of uh, very interesting interesting projects. So really the the main things that I do are, number one, work with companies regarding their marketing strategies, try to get them aligned with appropriate technologies, and then put that in a framework of the proper business processes to make sure those objectives are accomplished. Cool. So, and how did you get into the consulting business? Really, um, I've been doing consulting work for for an extended period of time for, boy, back even from my, my first uh, first work in the travel industry. Um, all of the positions I've had, I was formerly Four Seasons um, Corporate Director of Marketing Planning. Um, I ran Sabre's hotel program, um, started up Neat Group, which was really a pioneer in dynamic packaging, among other, among other roles. But all those positions, I've always been involved with either, say, at Four Seasons, working with the with all the properties to make sure that they could accomplish their their goals so it was a very consultative process to see what what those individual properties could do with saber it wound up being with large large hotel chains uh, really accomplishing the the same thing how could the saber how could saber's distribution channels and technology support their objectives um, same with neat group with dynamic packaging in that case we were working with with all varieties of travel uh, Travel suppliers and then all sorts of travel distributors, being large online travel well, agencies. Well, for for the un uninitiated, tell them what dynamic packaging is. Uh, dynamic packaging is 
actually a little bit different from the packaging that's taking place currently in the in the travel space. The, the current packaging is really rebundling of, of components, and it's very much a, a traditional, an automation of a traditional uh, tour operator process where you wind up taking, let's just say, air, car, hotel, bundling it together, and all of those suppliers wind up providing a normally to the wholesaler, some form of discounted rate. In some cases, they don't have to, but, but in most cases, some form of discounted, uh, discounted rate. And those are bundled together, and theoretically, the consumer winds up getting a better deal because there's price opacity with what those suppliers are actually charging. So the, the suppliers get to protect their retail pricing structures, and the, the consumer gets a, gets a deal, and the wholesaler in between can make some margin. Uh, but what's happening right now is a little bit the the power has gone to the, the online travel agency and the wholesaler side. Um, in true dynamic packaging, um, at least as I define it, we, we applied um, a rules-based system and dynamic pricing as well. So offers that came in or, or price points from suppliers wound up passing very efficiently through the, through the distribution channels and wound up not being able to be uh, marked up excessively. So basically an intermediary couldn't start taking larger margins if they saw deeper discounts provided by a, by a supplier. So um, really dynamic packaging winds up being a rules-based system where it tries to match the best, the best options for travelers against the best offers available from suppliers. And it, it really, uh, in, in combination with other products. So it's, Got a, it. it's, a, fun, it's a fun area and, uh, and still a huge growth area for the, for the travel industry as I see it. Well, Robert, one of the things I wanted to talk about is, is why the drive market, uh, which, which makes up this inordinate part of the travel industry is is actually virtually ignored by the industry. And, and you know, I know you come out of the the hospitality background where where hotels do uh certainly have a number of people who actually arrive by car. Um but but my premise is that most of the marketing and certainly all the technology excuse me excuse me, all of the technology in our industry is really geared at the air traveler. Most, most definitely. I think the, uh, mm-hmm. the eye-opener for me really coming out of the hospitality industry was when I arrived at Sabre, and we started looking at the, really the, the data structures that we had, and uh, they had an acronym, and it, everything had to fit into the BAS. It was the BAS, and I didn't know what that was, so I asked, what's the BAS? And it was the basic air segment. So I knew right there there was a challenge. So we were trying to put all this hotel stuff into an air segment. So right. really um, with that, the technology was really developed, at least the, the major distribution technologies, by the airlines. And the hotel um, chains wound up actually kind of getting, at least originally, kind of shoehorned into those platforms. Now, those platforms have changed dramatically, and now they're, they're much more robust for, for hotels. But, um, but that's really been the case. Similarly with revenue management, a lot of um, airline revenue management um, processes and policies um, start off with the airlines, and, and hotel companies have adopted some of those, um, in some cases, in my opinion, for good, and in some cases, for bad. <laughs> so, right. Uh, right. So, yeah, hotel, hotel companies have a chance, and the hotel industry really has a challenge because it's so highly fragmented. And it's a fundamental difference from airlines, which are typically very highly concentrated and centralized. So, right. Well, are. I think the interesting thing is, is actually if you get back to the basic statistics, and I had been in the industry for a very long time, 
before I really understood this, that only 15% of all travel in this country is by air and 85% is by car. And if you think about a hotel that's located, say, in Kansas City, uh, Missouri, um, you know, again, they're pretty good at marketing people to people who are flying into Kansas City International Airport and, you know, just asking the where and the when and even providing a map uh, from the airport to the hotel. But if you're driving from Bellingham, Washington to Tampa, Florida, uh, it's a whole different game. And the the opportunity for that particular hotel, uh, either as an individual hotel or as a part of a larger chain, to get insinuated into that booking is really, really tough because they, they don't market themselves that way as a part of a journey. What What is your experience on the hotel side of that equation? Well, definitely. I, I can go back, um, boy, 30 years to when I started off with, with Four Seasons. One of my first jobs was um, opening their hotel in Dallas and writing the post-opening marketing plan for that, that property. And then we really looked at it that there were, and it was an interesting, it was an interesting project, and Four Seasons wound up also at, at one time really having two properties in the, in the same area near DFW Airport. Now there's just, there's just one, but it's really kind of a, a, a regional destination resort. And we really decided that there were, there were really four very important segments to that business. Um, one was certainly international because it was near an international airport and you could pull in um, groups from all over the world very, very easily into this conference center and hotel. Um, that was great. There was definitely a domestic aspect in terms of, again, because of proximity airport, that was great. But then there was also a regional and a local aspect. And the regional aspect was very, very heavily um, oriented toward the toward the drive market and it was what what are the particular demand generators that really cause people to travel and I think that's that's where a lot of um, the travel industry has has really gotten a little bit off of off of the track they're so focused on the suppliers and the products that they are that they are selling okay. it really winds up being boy, we're going to sell them an air seat because we can monetize that. That's a ticket. Here it is. It's, it's very simple. Here's a hotel stay. Those typically aren't the reasons that people are, are traveling. They're, they're going to have an experience. So in this right, case, it exactly. was Dallas. It would be to play golf, to see the Dallas Cowboys, to shop. It would be a variety of, uh, of different things. But the drive market wound up being a, an absolutely essential component to, uh, to the success of that hotel because if we had just focused on, on flights, Really, it, it would have been a disservice to the community. It provided a great, a great experience, um, but it, it really did take a, a different kind of marketing, which was really a little bit non-traditional for a, for typically just rolling out some hotel some hotel things, right. especially and for something with resort-oriented facilities that sort of thing. Well, here's the interesting thing about what the story that you just told. Um, you know, first first all, uh, Four Seasons is thought to be uh, and, and clearly is in most cases, a five-star experience. And when most people think about the drive market, I would venture to guess they think about Motel 6 and uh, they think about Days Inn and, and other one- to two-star uh, type of property. But the research that we uh, have done actually shows 
that there is much more road travel at the higher end than there is even even at the low end, and that the one and two star travel actually represents only 15% of all uh, travel by car, and 25% is four and five star, and then of course the bulk is in the three star arena. So I think it's interesting that you, you point that out that it was in fact a, a very important um, market. But you know, again, this whole pointing back to technology of of how does technology deliver the hotel room, it pretty much asks you where and when you're going. It and it doesn't ask you where you're starting and when you're whether this is actually your destination or just a place along the way. And I think that that's really the big gap. And I want to shift gears just for a, a second because we started out talking about the mobile generation and I want to talk about some some mobile tools. Robert, what kind of um mobile device do you travel with? And I know you do because uh we have been communicating when we're on the road together. That's right. As you've been stalking me at these various conferences. That's we, right. We've been arriving at and, uh, and actually seeing each other through social media. So, yes. Um, I, I use a uh, Motorola Droid 2, which has an Android operating system. So it's a, it's a great little... Okay, great. great. So you, you are obviously a smartphone user. And do you download apps to that phone? I have a lot of apps, Yes. <laughs> What what are the apps that you use uh, consistently every single time that you travel? Boy, there are um, a lot of them. Probably um, the one that that I just find is incredibly uh, incredibly cool is um, Google Voice Actions. And mm-hmm. um, right now, for, really for navigation, I can just say navigate to and whatever it may be. It doesn't navigate to Starbucks, navigate to, right. I can use a hotel name, something else, city, destination, and um, it, it's pretty good at figuring out what I'm intending to do, and all of a sudden it will open Google Maps with the navigation, and so it's heads up, turn by turn, my phone starts telling me where to turn, where to go on the best, you know, the best route. Um, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty amazing, pretty amazing stuff. Um, and again, I think you, you made a great point about really kind of the itinerary or the start point and the end point, it's a great tool to to do that, but it doesn't really deal with what's along the way yet sort of right, thing. Now, right. I, it also has layers in Google Maps where if I'm looking, say, for a gas station, I can open up a layer, and it's great. And that layer will then show me all the nearby nearby gas stations, or I can say navigate to nearest gas station. Which is mm-hmm. which is great, or navigate to nearest restaurant, yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but again, nearest restaurant isn't isn't so good. But I, I have a huge number of uh, of apps. There's just even mentioning the gas um, the gas gasoline option. There's one that's called Gas Buddy, and it has the lowest price gasoline in your local area or in wherever you may be may be traveling. Sort of thing. And I'm so. glad you brought that one up because that points out one of my major contentions, which is the fact that the tools that you use around town in your own home city are actually the same tools that you use when you're traveling. So you have just Absolutely. mentioned two that I will bet that you use every day in Milwaukee as well as when you're on the road. Right. Oh no, absolutely. And that's and that's what I really see the I, I see there are really four cornerstones of of really the future of, of both technology and of travel and they definitely converge. Uh, one is individuals are looking for relevance. It, it's things that are important to them, them personally. So so that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. I, I need something now and I need to do it and, and I want 
the most efficient way to do that. Um, number two is mobility. So again, the more people are using are using phones and smartphone devices to travel around, their, their computers are traveling with them. So that that helps uh, certainly helps um, the relevance in terms of having tools to be able to find relevant information anytime, anywhere, any any place, sort of thing. Um, I also said the third one is really the personalization where it's suited to to me. It isn't just generally relevant information, but it's really things that are important to me. And then finally, it's the community aspect where it's it's my social graph and and the people I know and, and that sort of thing. You know, friends friends and loved ones, business associates, and those sorts of things fitting together. You know, relevant information available mobily that's personalized for me that ties me in with this community. I think really winds up being the being the key. Well, uh, let's talk about that last one first. I'm sorry. Let's talk about the last one first because, you know, this is one that you and I, and and it's actually just so funny to me because you're the only one this this has occurred uh, with and, and because I haven't been traveling so much lately. But the last two times I've traveled, uh, the first time we actually encountered each other because of TripIt. And, and I actually uh, remember seeing that you were going to be in Washington right about the time I was booking my trip. So I, I knew ahead of time that you were going to be there. And then we uh-huh. were you able to... to me. Ah, yeah. We have a <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the consulting engagement there just so I could follow you. You're so right. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I knew you were going to be there, and, and that did allow us to actually uh, rendezvous and, and get together with uh, with my partner, John, and, and had a, a great meal in, in D.C. And that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for TripIt. And TripIt has become a part of of my suite of tools that each time I travel, um, you know, unless I was working on some, you know, super secret um, merger or acquisition, you know, I can't think of any other reason I wouldn't post my trip on TripIt. And for those who aren't familiar with TripIt.com, it gives you the ability to send them in the form of an email, any confirmation email that you have, and those can get knit together on the back end in a trip, and then you can go in and edit and add other um, individual elements about your trip. And you can add your friends and, and colleagues and, and family, and then, of course, publish that information out to them. And, and I get a weekly uh, email that tells me where the people I'm connected to are going. So uh, since Robert travels way more than I do, uh, you know, he is uh, frequently on that list. But the interesting thing, Robert, is I don't know whether I just missed the trip it, uh, on the Boston trip um, or whether you didn't post your Boston trip, but uh, I was invited to a conference in Boston, and I, I landed and was just getting ready to check in on Foursquare, which I've just been playing around with a little bit. I'm, I'm not a heavy user of it, but I, I've just recently started using it to check in when I land and when I get to a hotel and, and when I go to various places. And as I'm checking in, I'm seeing Robert's comment about how great it is to be able to walk from the airport to the hotel. And, of course, I was going to the same hotel, and so I surmised that he was also invited to this conference since it was travel industry uh, related. So Foursquare, while I I wouldn't say it's an essential part of of my travel, if I were a really super frequent traveler, I think I would use that more often. So what can't you live without when you're actually on the road? Because you've talked about a couple of tools that are useful at home. Right. Well, and actually just one comment on Foursquare. I think for people attending conferences and things like that, it can wind up um, being very, very helpful in terms of 
where people are going and meeting up and finding out where people are because the number of conferences people go to, it's, hey, where is everybody? And yeah, they got left <laughs> right. out there in a meeting or, or have a call. All of a sudden, you, you can start finding out, oh, they're all over at the such and such place and, and tell, which is, which is great. Um, so, yeah, there, there are several of them. Um, actually, well, keeping in mind the drive, uh, the drive market particularly, um, my daughter goes to school at the University of Minnesota. And so, actually, this weekend we're going to be driving there for, oh, for Parents Weekend. And I took her up to, to college a, you know, a month ago or so, a little over a month ago. Uh, but what we did is we wound up using, you know, certainly using mobile device, that sort of thing, and we wanted to stop for lunch on the way. So we used a Yelp application. And it was great. We found a great restaurant, and um, it actually it, it was called the Cheese Factory, <laughs> right. of all places in Wisconsin, in Wisconsin Dells. But it also has a vegan menu. So even uh-huh. by the name, one would not if you saw it on a list or something, you wouldn't you would not come up with that if you were looking for for vegan food. My my daughter isn't vegan, but she's pescatarian, so. Yeah, we were looking for something that, that was a little bit you know, non, non-red meat and chicken-oriented. So we found Now, Robert, am I, am I also remembering that your daughter is in, in competitive sports, and so you had also taken a number of uh, drive market trips related to that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, we wind up, um, my older daughter is a dancer, my younger daughter is a dancer, and we wind up doing regional trips from... Uh, Everywhere, as far as Detroit, um, you know, Chicago, Minneapolis, that sort of thing, you know, all over the all over the Midwest. So, yeah, and it's um, and we use a variety of tools to uh, to do that, and it's just it's getting easier and easier to have a great a great experience, not only in the destination but on the on the way, and uh, you know, just many- finding places of what what they should do. So, uh, it's it's great. How many tools, on average, would you say that you use? Uh, on on a a trip where you're going where you've never been there before and you know trying to figure things out both en route um, and at the destination. Boy, you know what? I could give you a great example, and it, it wasn't technically a drive trip because it was a trip to Hawaii, and we went over the over the holidays. But the tools, right. let, let's just say, instead of going to Hawaii, we were um, going to San Francisco, even if we flew to San Francisco and we're going to drive to San Diego and to, and to fly back, you know, multi-destination sort of thing, because we right. went on a cruise on the islands, we were on several islands. Um, I used a variety of tools for that. Um, one was Glider, um, G-L-I-I-D-E-R, which is a, is a great little tool. And this was, um, I didn't use it on my, on my phone. It was, a, it was a pre-planning tool, but it allows you to, Take snippets of web pages and things that I would find, and even though we had booked the uh, booked the itinerary um, through the cruise line, obviously, and the ship was going on a set itinerary, I knew that I was going to be in Oahu certain days, and Kauai and Maui, that sort of thing, and I pulled all sorts of different um, different things across, and it was it was terrific. So I it, I could pull them into various folders, keep them organized by day, talk to my family on what about what they wanted to do, if we wanted to do the same thing, split up, do different things. And it, it worked out tremendously. It was a tremendously valuable tool. And then there we also wound up using um, Yelp extensively for, for dining decisions. Um, I'm trying to think of some. Oh, um, there was a, a little app that we used regarding um, just transfers and transportation. And, and we looked at it, and I think from the cruise ship over to um, – Kaunapali Beach, 
on the trip. Boy, I think the cruise ship was hitting us for something like $80 per person round trip or something like that, which got $320 to, to get from one side of the island to the other, which is where we wanted to go. That's a good chunk of money. Um, we wound up discovering that you could take um, the bus, and it, it took not really very much longer. There weren't a lot of stops. It was almost you know, pretty close to an express bus, and wound right. up uh, doing the same for $1 each. So. <laughs> That was relatively a good degree of savings for us. Now, again, a lot of people decided, no, they didn't want to do the bus and that sort of thing. But the bus wound up picking up at a couple of shopping centers. And since I have a wife and two daughters, it was like, well, we can kind of get the shopping out of the way. But, hey, the bus is going to leave. So it, it you know, compressed that amount of time, which was good. So I had a little strategy there. <laughs> so I didn't have to spend <laughs> my vacation, you know, shopping. Um, but we got there. We got to see the island, which was great. And it was a – it was a – Fine experience. There was no, we got to meet people on the bus, um, right. all those sorts of things that you wouldn't necessarily get on that little, you know, the the scheduled transportation from the cruise ship straight there. So, um, and I think that's really the key is, particularly with the drive market, is the key is it's, it's the journey. It's not necessarily the destination. It's, it's what you do is this whole end-to-end experience, which winds up being right. a... A great thing, you know, the ability to stumble across things. When we were driving around Oahu, um, you know, and we always run a car in Oahu, drive around because we'll we'll go out. We don't just stay in Honolulu. We'll um, oh, we'll head out to Hanama Bay. We'll head out to Sunset Beach on the North Shore. We'll find cool little place, fun places to eat. Um, great little hidden away beaches, which are really isolated and and not crowded, and and it's fantastic. And right. again, that would be Hawaii, but. If we were on the mainland and had our own car, that's that's you know a great way to do it. Exactly. So, Robert, in in the last five minutes that we have here, uh, what I'd like to hone in on is is why do you believe? Um, you know, we've got a billion trips taken in the United States every year, one billion, and fifteen percent of those are by air, which the the traditional travel community, both online and offline, both suppliers and retailers, are focused primarily, and again not exclusively, but primarily on the fifteen percent. What do you think it will take? Uh both technologically, business model, uh, to actually open up that other 85%, because 85% of a billion trips is a heck of a lot of trips. And, and you know, again, whether your business model is bookings or, or um, an advertising-based model for visits or, uh, or licensing technology, it, it's a big number. Absolutely. Well, I think it really comes down to organizations looking at how they can monetize these, these trips. And in the past, it was always difficult because it was, oh, my God, you know, people are traveling and you can't get a hold of them. And at least when they were traveling on an airplane, you kind of knew they were going from point A to point B at this time. And if, if there's a car involved, yeah, they were just driving around and kind of doing their own thing. They were picking up the phone to, to make a reservation at a motel along the way, a hotel, and the you know, whatever it may be. Um, and now all that's changed. So you look at a service like TripIt. Um, all of a sudden, TripIt knows exactly where people are traveling right. when the thing's getting booked, which is lead time, and that's it's a goldmine for advertisers. So that's, you know, TripIt can go out to people and say, gee, do you have any interest in people who are going to be in Los Angeles or in the West Hollywood area for seven days, three weeks from now? <laughs> and I think the answer right. to that 
is yes, please. How can we how can we do something that that is relevant and and good for these people to to market our services? So I think that will um, that will wind up happening. The one challenge um, I see really for hotels, destinations, and all of the the different um, attractions, activities, restaurants, all the different things that can happen along the way is that it's just such a highly fragmented market. And I've, I've been involved in a lot of um, travel industry standards projects in the, in the past and, and really probably one of the, the few surviving people who, who's been involved in like three major ones. <laughs> but, with, uh, but with that, I think um, there's one initiative which um, is starting off in the hospitality industry, which is called a Universal Global Identifier. And it's been kicking around since, boy, I think 2002 and is that, yeah, not not the most glorious history, but I think there's now some traction for it where a number of the, the hospitality-related associations are, are really looking at, at embracing that and trying to figure that out. And I think that may be something that will, will assist in terms of finding out here is exactly this, this hotel, this property is, is uniquely identified. Even if you look on Google Maps, and um, I checked this out, about a week ago, hopefully they've changed it and updated it, but even the Marriott Marquis in New York, which is pretty much a landmark hotel in Times Square, um, right. has three or four little pushpins in Google Maps, and the official ones are actually positioned in the building across the street, which is it's the wrong spot. It's close, but again, if you're doing right. driving and you're coming down Broadway and 7th Avenue and that sort of thing, you're, you're going to be messed up, especially if you're driving. So um, I think... and particularly when you start defining a, a hotel, it winds up being kind of difficult because how do you define it? Do you just have it in the pushpin on the, the street address? Well, the street address, if you're looking for the Hard Rock Hotel at um, Universal Studios in, in Orlando, um, their street address is a little bit different from where that hotel is. Um, right. And the hotel is very large. Should the pushpin be on the um, you know, the port cochere where you pull in or the parking garage, lots of different things. So I think there has to be some standardization around around that that will make the searches easier and the authentication of, yes, that's that particular product. And I think that will wind up extending out to a lot of the local uh, local services, be it tours that pick up at hotels. And, you know, if you're in Las Vegas, you want to take a, a Grand Canyon tour by air, a lot of times they'll pick you up at the hotel, which is great. Right. But, and it's, it's where do things go, what's the timing involved, all those sorts of things, where are these services offered. Um, and I think something to, to help define those in terms of, of organizing that information will probably be required to, to make it work a little bit better. Once that organization, and if it is a unique identifier or, or some sort of technology to say these are, are unique entities and, and you can start then collecting reviews and links and all those sorts of things to these these groups of them, um, then I think you really wind up getting into the uh, into the travel planning and kind of the inspiration side of it. And and I've broken down kind of the, this travel process into seven phases, and it you know, starts with inspiration of what people want to do and research, mm -hmm. planning, um, and then you wind up really kind of getting the validation of, of your community, of did I make the right choices? You actually book something, you then travel, and then you share it with other people, and that's that cycle right. continues. So those seven areas are also the seven areas that can really get monetized by by various right. by various groups. And I think that once you get the structure kind of down, where you can say, "Here's where I'm starting. Here's where I'm going. 
and get into things like this inspiration. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to accomplish. Maybe I'm more of a nomad. I just want to go. I want to travel from San Francisco to, to San Diego. I've got a lot of time. I want to see really cool, unique stuff. And and having a car and being at complete flexibility to travel where you where you want, um, you know, or a bicycle or whatever it may be, that's that's absolutely a absolutely terrific and very uh, very freeing. And I think you know once you start getting the search capabilities to say what's best for me, what should I do, and then enable people to discover things. Maybe they aren't exceptionally planned well off in advance, but but they can happen upon things, do things as they as they occur. I think that's the real magic. You know, Harley Davidson travels trying to do a lot of that mm-hmm. with their with their hog um, owners group and things like that. Really trying to right. say these are great rides, here's where they go and here here's you know the great things that you can explore and find along the along the way. But but they aren't there you know quite yet. It's it's a it's a difficult challenge. There are huge numbers of opportunities that are, are very very isolated and siloed and and non standardized, which I'm right. challenging all that together. Well, Robert, I would love to have uh, another chat with you to dig into some of these a little deeper. But you've given us an, an amazing amount of practical information. I love the the relevance, personalized mobility, and social graph uh, slash community model. Uh, I think we could have a whole show. <coughs> Excuse me, with me drinking water for it. <coughs> Just getting all choked up about the the emotion of this market. You're choking <laughs> me up, Robert. <laughs> um, and then again, I, I love um, the way that you've inserted validating and sharing uh, into the more traditional model that starts with inspiration, research, planning. Uh, validation inserted book and and travel, which again I think that the whole experience thing that the travel industry has gotten their hands on, and and again folding back in that that share element at the end. Uh, Robert, if people would like to follow you on Twitter, um, how can they do that? Yeah, my my Twitter handle is Robert K Cole, and uh, also that's uh, that's how you can find me on most of the social uh, social networks. I try to keep it keep it standardized across all of them. So. Great, and that is a terrific tip to end our call with today. So, uh, again, thank you for joining us for the Mobile Generation Project 85. If you'd like more information about Project 85, go to www.solutions, with a Z at the end, .com slash project85.html. And thanks again, Robert, and I will see you on the road soon. And stop stalking me. <laughs> All right, take care. Thanks, Chicky. You said you gotta know somebody, or know somebody to get somewhere these days. You Join us every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern for the Innovators Corner on Solutions Live. Thanks again for our guest today, Robert Cole from Rock Cheetah, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next Monday. Thanks.